0: Are we comfortable? Shall we get into it? Let's do it! A man enters a restaurant, just as some others exit. Inside, a woman sits with a dish and no cutlery. Alone, but not for long. "'I'll just give you these,' the man places a fork and knife on the table, which the woman had been eyeing from her chair. People have been known to use them. "'Who are you?' asks the woman, a tremble in her voice. "'The Red House has a vacancy for you.' Her opposite remark, casually as he sits down, try not to make a fuss, I'm just doing my job. In the following silence, the woman's eyes widen. But the Red House is just a story, she mutters. The rumours are accurate, the asides. A facility where the rich and spiteful send their enemies to be kept alive and in pain for the rest of their lives. But wait, please, I... Your name is Leslie Cater, an investigative journalist who has taken to researching our establishment. We don't appreciate defamation, so I was sent to find you. The man continues, a smirk developing across his face. Although the innocent are sometimes given the chance to escape their fate, the man notes. I say you might deserve it, don't you? What do you mean? The woman frowns. 50,000, that's all I ask for, he grins. Not much at all considering what's about to happen. The man leans back, smiling as the woman shrieks in her seat until suddenly she begins to laugh. The man leans forward, frowning as the woman straightens up. 50,000, that's all you ask for, she grins. Not much at all considering what's about to happen. What do you mean? The man frowns. Although the innocent are sometimes given the chance to escape their fate, the woman notes. I say you might deserve it, don't you? The woman continues, a smoke developing across her face. Your name is Charlie Dower, a con man who has taken to impersonating our establishment. We don't appreciate defamination, so I was sent to find you. But wait, please, I... The rumours are accurate, the woman asides, a facility where the rich and spiteful send their enemies to be kept alive and in pain for the rest of their lives. But the Red House is just a story, he mutters. In the following silence, the man's eyes widen. The Red House has a vacancy for you, his opposite remarks casually as she stands up. Try not to make a fuss, they're just doing their job. Who are you? asks the man, a tremble in his voice. I'll just take these. The woman collects the fork and knife from the table, which the man had been eyeing from his chair. People have been known to use them. A woman exits a restaurant just as some others enter. Inside, a man sits with a dish and no cutlery, alone, but not for long. see her in the movies. Here there's no fanfare. In the building where I work there is a green door set into an enormous wall of natural rock. Once every few days a traveller will walk out of the door warning us of a dire future that will come to pass if actions aren't taken to avoid it. Only the travellers have seen beyond the door, only they understand how they're transported back in time. As a dispatcher, I document what went wrong in those other futures and compile a report for Summit. They pull the strings to make sure we continue along our ever-changing path to the ideal scenario. I loved what I did, until last week. Danny, one of my favourite travellers, refused to share his notes with me. Sorry Trev, need to go to Summit directly with this one. It's not unheard of for an agent to take a sensitive case to the boss. I didn't think much of it until posters of my face started going up at work. Protect the mission. Don't tell Trevor. I was confused and unsettled. More so when I returned home to find movers scurrying in and out of the apartment opposite mine with heavy-duty trunks. Gone were traces of my old neighbour, Tracy, including her now somewhat ironic comeback with a warrant doormat. Inside, I spotted dust and drill holes where they had mounted bugs and cameras. I set up a meeting with my boss, Liz. You're a great employee, she told me over a cup of coffee, but in another timeline, your actions caused the end of the world. I blinked. Me? Our own resident horseman of the apocalypse. My thoughts went to summit, the agents watching my every move and finally... Why haven't they killed me? Can't, Liz said. Danny told them killing you causes the same outcome. I pondered this. Why not tell me what I did? I can promise not to do it. Liz shook her head. You could hold the whole world hostage. You'd really think I'd do that? Easy to play the noble saint when you're impotent, but all are powerful, she slurped her latte. If you could take the responsibility... I looked down at my teaspoon, at the reflection of the cafe's only other patron. He sat by the door pretending to sip his drink. Summit will watch you until the day you die. You start going out of bounds, they will intervene. I've gotten used to the constant surveillance, the chilly reception at work, but one question still gnaws at me. What the hell did I do? Every time I move, I accept one of the summit wounds to attack tackle me, but another thought haunts me. What if they aren't fast enough to stop me? How is this possible? I knew damn well he was dead. I was the one who identified him at the morgue after the accident. We had buried him three months ago. The connection was lost before he could answer after trying to call back to no avail. I spent the night crying and wondering if i had become insane. The second time he asked me to put Gracie on the phone. Gracie was our eight year old daughter who was unwittingly playing in her room. Matt that's not possible I can't bring her into whatever this is, she'll end up so confused, just like I've been these past few days. Why are you even doing this? Come be with me. His voice sounded so cold. What do you mean? You know what I mean. Don't you want to be a family again, the three of us like we used to? It would be so easy. Gracie is my family now, and you will always be. But you're gone, Matt. You can't ask me to do this. He got angry. So you're just going to leave me here alone? God damn it. I should have known. I thought you loved me, Mary. Where is all of your love now? From that moment on, I had nothing else to say to him. What he was implying was beyond evil. How could he want us to die? I blocked the number right away and tried to move on. Today around noon I got a call from my daughter's school. She had just been taken to the hospital in a critical condition. The principal shakily explained to me how all of a sudden Gracie started running and jumped off a second floor window. It all happened so fast that no one had time to react. So far they were thinking it could have been an internet challenge John gone wrong. The phone rang while I was staggering to the car, still trying to process what i just heard. Unknown number. My, my, my heart sank mummy mummy I couldn't wait to talk to you daddy was right it's so much nicer here when are you coming he says it should be any time now My veins. The nurse gives me a wide smile. Good girl, you can go to the canteen now and have breakfast with your friends. Friends? I don't have friends here. My friends are almost 60 miles away from me, enjoying life, learning new stuff, making out at parties, certainly not spending their youth in a psych ward. My parents put me here. It was another anxiety attack at school. I lost control and tried to do something stupid. Now everything seems stupid to me. I pass by nutsy Nora's room. Her yelling is impossible to ignore. She keeps screaming, Kelly and Jenna, all over again and again, whatever these names mean. I see two doctors rushing into her room with a set of tranquilizers. This place is full of people like her. I don't think I belong here. I enter the canteen and hear aloud, surprise! I look around and see other patients gathered around a cake with numbers, candles, one and seven, and an inscription, happy birthday Robin. Right, it's my 17th birthday. Yay, I totally forgot, I forced myself to smile and blow the candles. The the cake tastes like soap, or cough syrup. I hid both candles in my pocket when nobody's watching. I guess it's the only gift I can count on today. I stop one of the nurses on the way back to my room. I ask if my parents are going to see me. She shrugs and walks away without saying a word. Great. As I lay in bed, I stretch my arms and look at my hands. They look... weird. So damn weird. Maybe it's a side effect of on one of those medications. Nurse Judy interrupts my contemplation. She storms in with an afternoon of dosage of pills. How are you feeling, my dear? Did you like your birthday surprise? She asks with that annoying sweet smile. Yeah, I forgot today's the day. She takes my hand and says, oh, don't worry, darling, it happens to everybody. As she holds my hand, I ask her why my skin looks so strange. Miss Judy Judy gives me a sympathetic gaze. I think it's normal at your age, don't you think so, sweetie? Is she trying to make a fool of me? Oh, I've had enough. But I'm only 17. I don't know any other teenager with hands like these. Just look. I take the candles out of my pocket and almost rub them in her face. You see, one and seven, 17, I bellow. Judy t- gently takes the candle from my shaking hand. Robin, it's not 17. Let me show you the right order. It's seven and one, 71. <laughs> he thought looked striking or interesting he would snap it with the camera. Over the years he got much better. He went from disposable cameras to SLRs, digital point and shoots. He had an old Polaroid camera he would use at parties with friends and he even managed to get the best pre-owned DSLR Canon that money could buy once he had a stable job. But David's true passion was for using vintage equipment the kind of cameras you just can't find anymore he absolutely loved to spend time in the dark rooms developing still prints of the things that he would capture it was like almost spiritual for him enlarging and developing the negatives in that dim red light was like being in his own personal paradise david's most favorite camera was his Minolta x 700 he probably couldn't tell you why it was his favorite but he absolutely adored using it he went everywhere with him. David even had pictures of his friends take off him, taking him pictures so you can imagine that if something happened to his beloved ex 700 he'd most likely be beside himself well that's exactly what has happened. David was going about his usual day when he discovered that he could not find his favorite camera. At first he thought that maybe he had left it in his dark room but it wasn't there he didn't see it in his equipment bag either and it was almost time for him to go to work he knew he'd be visibly stressed at this point oh well, he would try and find it when he got home well, David did find his camera when he came home that night it was sitting on the kitchen table where he'd eaten his breakfast how it got there was a mystery to him He quickly picked it up and examined it. It was definitely his X-700. He opened it up and then he noticed something particular. All the negatives had been used up. He tried to make them out but he couldn't. It was just difficult to see them. There is only one thing you can do. The dark room. David went to work and then began to see what had been captured on the film. It was him asleep in his bed, surrounded by black hooded figures, every single print. He could feel his heart pounding in his own chest, his breathing was rapid, and then suddenly he heard the click. The red light turned white, there was a pentagram painted on the floor. David was surrounded by black hooded figures. (laughs) to tell them their location right away. They had not just heard one person using the phone but everyone they heard screaming before answering in unison. 1242 Westbrook Apartment Complex D. The firefighters all rushed over and looked in astonishment as the apartment complex was completely unharmed. They took a precaution and evacuated everyone from the complex. Grumpy and groggy the people living inside took their pets and children and waited outside. The firefighters did a clean run through of the apartment but before the chief firefighter was about to release the waiting owners, an explosion on the lower part of the complex occurred. Flames started appearing rapidly in one of the windows and the apartment slowly began to turn to ash and cinders. Upon further investigation, they found a gas pipe had been ruptured and was ignited by a water heater's flame. The firefighters were shocked when they saw what occurred and remembered the call. When they tried to contact the number again to thank the corner, they only received the following response. We are sorry this number no longer exists, perhaps you dialed the wrong number. Please hang up or try the number again and thank you for saving them. is always open and is spooky 13 at gmail.com or if you prefer to contact me on social media i am on there i am over on facebook and instagram and both my dms are open on there so they are both dark underscore and underscore spooky 666 Whilst you are still listening to this, if you can please just take a minute or two just to leave a review and rating on whichever platform you do listen to this. Um, we are across all platforms now. We've managed to get that all sorted, which is great. And then also, if you are a part of the Facebook um, page, please leave a star review and rating over there just so that the podcast and myself get more known as well. As I've been saying over the past couple of um, episodes, there are big things coming in the coming months, so please stay tuned. Um, there may be hints here and there that some of you may be picked upon, upon the Facebook page or even the Instagram page, but please stay with it and you'll find out soon enough in the coming months, like I said. So all that's left to say is stay spooky and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.